2: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski. I'm one of your regular co-hosts, and we have quite a treat for everyone this week. We have our other regular co-host, Haley Chura, who is now the 17th place champion champion of the Ironman World Championships. Is that how you say it? I think it is. I think, Um, yeah, yeah. I will take it. I mean, I feel (laughs) like the all women's
0: Ironman World Championship, it was the coolest thing, but I can't wait to talk about it. Thank you, Alyssa. I'm excited to
2: be back on the pod. And we are joined this week with a special guest. We have Jess Cullen here, who is a podcast host herself. So it's going to be very chatty this week, everyone. Um, Jess hosts the Endurance Icons podcast. And she also raced the women's only Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii, and became the 11th place champion in the 30 to 34 age group. Jess, welcome to the Iron Women podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And so, and congrats, Haley. Thank for... you. You too.
0: And, and also, I mean, I have been a guest on the Endurance Icons podcast. I'm, in, yes, I'm a fan, have. and I met you in person. At the finish line in Kona, and you looked yes. great. You looked really good. <laughs> Bro, yes, well, i, right I back at you. That good. I don't want to skip to the finish though, because we're going to go through our stories. And of course, Alyssa, you were in Hawaii as well uh, as a coach. And I mean, I see you're back in Vermont now, and I, I did see you at the pool, um, uh, in swimming in your knee brace. So I know you got some training in there. So I can't. I'm excited to hear your perspective on the race as well, from uh, the coaching perspective.
2: Yeah, Haley, you caught me in the middle of my very strenuous 1,200 yard workout that I did that day. (laughs) um, In fairness, the pool
0: was about to close. You maybe were going to do 12,000, but the pools, they kick you out of there. But um, I know I I like it was, but you were having like a little photo shoot. Did, uh, wait, did I miss the content? Uh, Cameron Biscay, I think was taking video of you. And I was like, wait, is that Cameron? And I was like, oh, it's Alyssa. And then I'm like, of course getting the content.
2: Yes, I was getting content. This was actually just like private content for me because I, I really wanted to know what it looked like when I flipped turned with the knee brace on. So I just had Cameron videotape me so that I could watch it back to myself and see how ridiculous it looks because I mostly, I just want to know how much room I'm taking up when I do that. So I can, let people know if they're splitting lanes with me, like what the deal is. Um, but it turns out it wasn't too bad. So, but I, I feel like a flip turn video isn't something that the entire world needed to see. So that is just for the the private library right now, but in case anyone ever ends up with a similar knee injury and you have to swim in a knee brace, I will DM you that video and you can see how to flip turn with a straight leg knee brace on. It's pretty, pretty riveting everyone. Um, how does it feel swimming in a knee brace? it the best way to describe it is it feels like there's a toddler attached to your leg the entire time um and it like it's as if the toddler's wearing full clothes and they just get heavier and heavier as the clothes get more and more soaked um but other than that it's it's actually not that bad that's totally normal um and i've said this a few times but like Swimming at all is better than not swimming yes. or doing anything at this point in my life. So I can I can deal with that as it goes. Um, but I did make it back home to Vermont. I I think I was the first to jet out of the island of the three of us. I left Sunday night on a red eye. Um, Haley, it looks like you have just returned back to Bozeman. I don't think you've even had much time to settle in yet. And then, Jess, I think you are still out west, out in Hawaii land.
1: I am in Maui. Out recording it right. outside. It's beautiful. I see palm trees, yeah. the ocean. It's amazing. Jess did this right. And this, this was your first Kona Jess. Is that right? This was your first time racing in Kona. Not just that like first time ever in Hawaii. Like it's magic. I love it. Right? So yeah, just oh. living my best life out here.
0: <laughs> That's so good. Okay. I do want to ask Alyssa, we heard since you have been to Hawaii several times, um, a lot of people are talking ahead of going into the race about the vibe with it being only women. What was your take on that?
2: So I thought that it definitely felt different um, being only women, but I thought it was absolutely like a great thing. Um, I just felt like there was a lot less like douchebaggery going on in general, like with people's actions, with like how people were treating one another, how people were treating the town, how like interactions just across the board, I felt like were really like, just positive and <laughs> good, um, but still competitive. Like you could still tell that like people were there to race, right? It wasn't like we came in for like a yoga retreat and there were women everywhere. Like you could tell people were ready to get down to business. But I think overall, like it was, it felt like Barbie land. Like that was just the way I kept thinking in my head. And I was like, Alyssa, you have to come up with like a better way to describe it. By the time, you know, you start talking about this and I haven't because that is what it felt like, you know, it felt like this world that we had created that was like good and fair and special and like, and you know, and it felt so much different than I think I've experienced in Kona before.
1: I'm so glad you said that because I was dying to watch Barbie before the race because it, I I felt the exact same way. Like every time you looked, I was like, this is, this is the coolest thing in the entire world. So I don't think you should change that at all. Okay. Like it was Barbie land hundred <laughs> percent. And yeah. I'm so
2: curious, like from a racing perspective, you know, I mean, we'll get into the race full on here shortly, but like off, you know, off the cuff here, Haley, like, was it different in the pro meeting having just the women's world championship? Like how did that, those like situations differ?
0: It really wasn't like, I was wondering that, like would the pro meeting feel like empty? And it felt like there were just as many people. I mean, I know it was like half as many competitors, but it felt like it felt just as, as, as stressful. (laughs) That part was just (laughs) as stressful as usual. Uh, You know? And so, uh, you know, there were still plenty of rules questions and, um, and you know, just the heightened excitement, uh, that I think came with, with, with Conan racing at the world championship, that was pretty normal. I noticed it the most like riding, like you said, like, I just didn't have the men riding crazy by me, um, and training the pool was significantly different, um, significantly different than the past. And I did feel like the overall vibe on the Island last year when I was there, and I know that the, it was a larger race, um, it, uh, I didn't feel, I felt like very much imposing on the island, like as a triathlete. And I felt like, is this a good thing for the locals? Like are there, you know, are, is this, can the the island sustain this race? And last year I felt like, no, you know, I, I did. I was like this, this, we're not helping Hawaii at all. Like we are like a very much imposing and not necessarily in a positive way. And so Um, And I didn't feel that as much this year. I felt a little bit like people were very respectful. And I think that was returned to us by the locals. Hopefully, hopefully that was, you know, an actual sentiment. And I just, it gave me hope that the race can continue in Hawaii, which is really, really good. But um, I mean, I think that it felt just as competitive. Like you said, it was just as fierce of like, you know, just, it wasn't like we were missing any of that. It was, it was everyone showed up fit and ready to go and race their very best. Um, and maybe, maybe there's like a little bit extra appreciation knowing that there is no like next year in Kona, you know, like this is your chance to race in Hawaii um, for at least two years.
2: And so make the most of it. Yeah. I wondered if, um, you know, having the spotlight on the women and there, you know, in the weeks leading up, there was just so much chatter. I do feel like, there was like a responsibility. Some of the, you know, the women felt to be like, all right, we're going to make this race count. We're going to show them that like what it's going, that it's worth the while, right. To give the opportunity. And I, I mean, the women delivered in a huge way across the board from the pro race to the age group race. I mean, starting out of the gun with every single woman, woman exiting the swim, right. Like that was Phenomenal to hear that news. And I think that it just goes to show, like, if you build it, they will come, right? Kind of mentality and women for sure stepping up. I also kind of laughed to myself because I did hear, I'm not sure a rumor or a confirmed truth, but I heard that, you know, there's like town complaints that are registered every year with the triathletes in town and things like that. And I did hear that the complaints that were coming in were still from like males who are triathletes on the island who were like in yeah. town for one reason or another. And so I was like, man, wouldn't it be just Barbie land to the max if like, they were like, you know what? We're just only going to have the women's race (laughs) from now on. I was like, if anywhere would ever do that, I do feel like the town of Kona would do that because they are like so particular about just the reciprocity of, you know, being kind and respecting the area where you are. But so guys, this is totally just a rumor that I am creating myself but man that would be i would love that that would be like icing on the the cake for my having women's all having one day now
0: <laughs> i want to add one more thing about just the media attention and i felt like that was as much or more than any other world championship i've been a part of and i think i went into this race ranked lower than i have at other ones and i felt like i got more media attention <laughs> than ever and so i do think the media which many of them are men you know were actually like incredibly supportive of this women's race and I know that there were a few pro men uh Matt Hanson was there I think cheering for his sister and doing some sponsor things and they were so respectful of it being an all women's race and I do think it's worth like thanking them for that support and I mean I didn't feel like there was any less than any other race and it it created a great product and as a result, everyone got to see an incredible, incredible race. And and Jess, you're kind of part of the media with Endurance Icons podcast. I mean, uh I know we don't have a ton to compare to, but you have regular, you know, standalone Ironmans to compare to. Like did you
1: did you feel like it was it was different in that way? It was completely different. I wasn't even prepared for how different it felt. And I think where I felt it the most was at the banquet the night before. Like, um we went there and the videos that they were playing and they were talking about, you know, the Island, all of the volcanoes are named after women. It's um, the queen K highway. And they're just talking about like, you know, it's, it's a queen, even our highway is a queen. And they're just saying this island is built for women and that what a special day it is to have everyone together. And, you know, I actually got misty-eyed thinking about that. And where they're talking about the fact that Ironman is such an equitable sport, how they adjust, you know, basketball, they have a smaller ball in tennis, they play fewer games. And it was just like, I had such an incredible amount of pride being able to race. And I found that the locals were so excited. I, I think that that astonished me is that you hear a lot of like, they're very resistant. Anyone that I talked to was overjoyed to see us there. Um, they, and you know, they were so focused on the racer experience too. Like you weren't hearing a lot of like, this is impacting us. They're saying, you know, I love that it's a women only race, or I love that they're, they're making it one day because it's a better experience for you. You're not competing for the cars or the hotels or the spots on the island. Um, So as a first timer, I don't really have much to compare it to. I haven't been to Hawaii before, but it was, you know, people say Hawaii and Kona is magic. And I have to say, like, it was the best Ironman experience that I've ever had. Um, They, yeah, they showed up and even the women on the course, like how supportive everyone was, like, it was just total girl power all day long. All right. Are you both ready to talk about the race? Should we, should we get to that?
2: Okay. So, um, I admit that from a coaching perspective, um, we actually had within our coaching system, 19 women out there to keep track of, which was one pro and 18 age groupers. And because of the, yeah, because of the, (laughs) it's not like a mass start anymore. It becomes pure chaos to try and keep track of everyone. So Haley is going to have to fill in a lot of the gaps in terms of what happened in the pro race. Um, only so much could be heard as we were like streaming the broadcast as I'm trying to get to Kauai high and all of that stuff. So We'll start with the swim. Haley, you, I mean, knocked it out of the park, second out of the water to Lucy Charles Barkley. How did that feel? Like, yeah. How did so it feel? Good.
0: <laughs> so good. I mean, so in 2013, I led the swim out of the water and I also led, I guess, in 2022 early, the, uh, the St. George version, but this was a different one. Lucy was there and also, there were so many fast swimmers. Like, honestly, I went into that race thinking I would probably come on our own 10th. Um, and because a lot of these women, I mean, I've raced them. I know Lauren Brandon. I know Rebecca Clark. I know Rachel Zielinskis, um, and Taylor Neb, even in Milwaukee. I couldn't, they got me pretty quick. And I, I'm going to give my coach Matthew Rose so much credit because I had, my pool was closed for six weeks this summer. And um, I say I'm in like a very short, very small, very shallow, very warm pool. Um, and we made it work and we drastically changed my swim training. And, um, because I just, I can't do long threshold sets in that pool. Like I overheat too much and it, it just impacts my whole life too much. And so we, we drastically modified my swim training this first six weeks this summer. And it was a big risk. We were like, is this going to work? And then I got into the long course pool for two and a half weeks and you know, we did like a little swim camp kind of trying to set this up and it worked. <laughs> like I felt, I've not felt that good in a Kona swim ever. Like even when I led in 2013. And so, um, I was shocked and I, I, I also learned from past mistakes on where I lined up, who I lined up next to and, um, had done some, you know, work on improving my start a little bit. And it's cause Kona is a specific deep water start. Um, and I think that really worked. I've, was able to like go out with Lauren and Rachel pretty quick and was sitting on Lauren's feet. I've swam a couple races with Lauren Brandon and, um, you know, she pulled over and let me let leave for a little bit, which, I mean, I respect her so much and it was just like an honor to be that close to her. And I could see Lucy ahead. I will also say one of the coolest things was they had a lead paddleboarder for Lucy. And then they also had a lead paddleboarder for the chase pack. And I don't know if that's ever happened before. Um, I feel like in 2013, when I led, I don't even know if I had a lead paddleboarder back then because we started, I think we started five or 10 minutes after the men. And um, so I was just cool. Like, I felt like I was like in the front of the race. You know, I didn't feel like an afterthought and- um, and that was really, really cool. And I sure would I love to close the gap to Lucy? Yes. But also I was like, I've never been this close to Lucy. <laughs> so I'm just going to like appreciate this. Um, and it, it was fun. Lauren came back around, led for another, we traded off a little bit. Um, and then she let, I, I talked to her afterwards and she's like, Oh, you were doing good enough. <laughs> and, um, and, and so, I mean, you have different like motivations when you're in a race that long and um you know maybe like I don't think either of us had a second out of the water bonus so it kind of takes (laughs) away that which you know that will jockey the position and Lucy was far enough ahead and um and there are times when I'm like is this tactically good to like be leading a group like this but I happen to always end up leading a group and last year I was leading a group that was four minutes back from Lucy so to be leading a group that's only 90 seconds back I'm like this is good and I I do most of my races like that. Like I'm toward the front. And so it's not like it's an additional stress on me, but I was mostly like having fun. Like I was like, this is fun being in the front of the race. And I never imagined this. And I felt good. And I'm like, bike and run. Haley can figure that next part out.
2: (laughs) Well, and you must've been pretty fired up going into T1 because I think one of the first texts that Matt sent me was like, oh my God, Haley has the fastest transition like ever or something You had like, I mean, at least from, I think the first like 20 or 30 women, you definitely had the first, I haven't checked it after that, but um, you had a really fast transition. So good job. I know we talk about transitions. I've been working on them. Nailed it. So that was really, really exciting. Um, Jess, I know that I feel like a lot of the age group women I talked to had said that they felt like the age group wave starts were very aggressive. So, and I have some theories for why this is. Um but how did you did you would you say that as well is that what your thoughts were with the swim?
1: Yes, absolutely. I I think that that was one part of the race that surprised me. So I loved the opportunity. I came to the race a little bit um or to Kona a little bit early, so I was in the water a lot and that was huge in terms of getting comfortable with the water. Somehow felt less salty every time I swam in it. I just got used to it. So I like race morning, I rocked up and I'm like, this is going to be fine. I've got this totally comfortable. But then we're in the water and we all swim out. So and we're, we're bobbing out there. And then they probably had like three or four kayaks that are just swimming back and forth. And they were they were yelling at us to swim back. And But the problem is, is that other women are jockeying for positions. So it just created this like crunched in group of women Um, But what was really sweet. So that was aggressive. It felt like it was hard to tread water. You were like holding your elbows in and like sort of just puddling around to try and stay up. Um, But everyone was apologizing to each other. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay?" Like that was that was so pure. I loved that part of the race is that, you know, we're about to compete with each other as age group women, but everyone was concerned about everyone else's well-being. So it was it was a bit of aggressive, but it, it really showed the spirit of the women on that day, too.
2: Yeah. I wonder if so many Ironmans have like switched from time trial starts to, or switched from away from mass starts of any sort or wave starts to time trial starts. I'm wondering if women just aren't getting the experience uh, of like any, and then you go to the world championships where there's a lot of women in your wave. It's essentially a mass start of sorts. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I do think that probably like is probably a factor, right? It's just, it's obviously very different from a time trial start.
1: Totally. But actually, once we started swimming, it was fine. Like I found that the swim itself, like just learning how to, you see feet in front of you, you either draft them or you move them to the side as you swim. Like it wasn't, it wasn't, that part wasn't aggressive. Once we were going, people were, you just found either some feet or you found some clear water to be able to swim what you needed to swim. Um, so that part was great. Um, I have swam much more chaotic Ironman swims before, so yeah. Once we were going, it was fantastic. Mm. And like Haley, like I just had a blast. Like the swim is definitely of the three, the one that I need to work on the most. And I, you know, my this was my very first non wetsuit swim as well, and it was nothing to worry about. I adored it. The salt water makes you very buoyant, gives you great water positioning, and yeah, it was it was clearly marked. I loved how far out you go. Um, you know, there's some beautiful tropical fish that I try not to get distracted by, but, um, no, it was, it was such a great swim. I enjoyed it.
0: Uh, what about, I think the 30 to 34 age group, like, did you start like, you started like in the middle, like it was like, you know, because of how the age group waves yeah. happen. And I think you were like to- really, really in the middle of all the age groups. Um, how, did you like that? Like, were you swimming through people? And also like, as you started the bike, I mean, can you tell who's in your age group?
1: You could because they had an approximate like number range. So you, you wouldn't know for certain. But um, I mean, so for the swim part, you definitely did swim through some chunks of of women like you could definitely say, OK, I'm hitting that age group in front of me. And as you go, you'd see that. Um but it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I had expected. And I think like that was sort of the theme of the entire day is, you know, Kona is one of those races that it's so historic. It's so storied. And they people love to like tell their stories of, of Kona. And it's like wild swim, wild bike. So I came like ready for anything. And I think the best piece of advice I got was, you know, Kona is is, you know, an island. It's a beauty and a beast. You sort of just need to flow with whatever it throws you in that day. So that was very much the attitude I brought. So the swim ended up being, so yes, I was swimming through women. Yes, it was busy, but I was expecting that. So it it wasn't that bad. I had so much fun doing that. Um, And then when it started on the bike, like it was just, I was careful going through town and you just, I mean, as you pass people, you do get an advantage, right? Like it, it there is that passing advantage. So it was fine. Um, It was a little busy at the very start, but on the way back of the bike is when I really cleared up um, for my age group where you were able to to not constantly be passing people. But it wasn't a bad experience in any way. And so, Haley, OK, we're on the bike now. You're riding
2: in second. This is pretty much the part of the race that I was like missing. Right. So
0: I guess in this second. And- I rode in second for about I think 200 meters. <laughs> Until Lauren Brandon but you did came ride in me. second. I did ride <laughs> in second. I got out of transition in second. Um and I think by the time we'd like turned left on Kukini, um Lauren Brandon actually came around me pretty quick. And uh again, I've raced with Lauren many many times and I know she's a really strong cyclist and I think I've maybe in the 70.3 ones I was able to kind of go with her for a little bit on the bike but most times it drops me really quick and this is another thing i had trained for um i had trained for how fast our in town the in town portion is um it's it like last year or past years has caught me off guard and so this year i was ready for it and i was able to kind of follow lauren's move and you know and, and ride with her through town which was so cool cuz again i've never done this before and you make the turn on kokini you can kind of get a you get a glimpse of who's behind you and it was like everyone and um but again i was like <laughs> This is the highest, this is the, this is the longest I've ever been in this high up in the race in third. So I was third getting up on, uh, and I I did, I used like, there's so many good cheers to that. And you're like having so much fun. And then I was third to get up on the queen K and then I think Taylor Nib came by me, which again, I'm like, Oh my goodness. I was ahead of Taylor Nib for even just a few miles. (laughs) Um, and I try to enjoy that part. And I mean, she rode, she was riding very strong and it's just, I think she is, um, a generational talent in our sport. And so it's kind of neat to have been in the race for her first Ironman or yeah, her first Ironman, her first Kona, all of that. And, and see that happen. Um, and then I think Rebecca Clark came up. So a lot for a lot of it, I was riding behind Rebecca Clark and Lauren Brandon. Again, these are women that in Milwaukee I couldn't stay with. And so I'm just kind of like very excited. Um, and it, I handled just a lot of the surges and stuff and group riding a lot better than I have in the past. Uh, it is stressful keeping at 12 meters, especially, I think Daniela passed us just before the turn in Kauai High, and then um, so around 40 miles, which is also the latest Daniela Reef has ever passed me in a race. So I'm just, I have all these like personal like milestones that I'm like, everything is pointing to a great day. Um, and then uh, the big group caught us on the climb up to Javi. And uh, it, I mean, again, it's, it's a little stressful because you are trying really hard to stay exactly 12 meters and you use the reflectors on the road. Um, But you don't want to go to 13 because then someone can slot in in front of you. You don't want to go to 11 because you risk a five minute penalty. So it's a stressful way to race, but it's also really fun. Like, because you aren't really looking at power. You're not looking at, you're like literally tactically racing. And I've never had that experience like that late in the race before, and it was so cool. Like it was so cool. And again, I'm a huge fan of this sport. And so I'm like, I'm getting passed by Annie Haug. I'm getting passed by Laura <laughs> Phillip. Like these are women I really admire. And um, and it was just neat to be in their proximity, even for just a little bit. Um, once we made the turn, things broke up a lot coming back. And uh, but it was the longest I've ever gone riding with people. It was the closest I've ever been to the front. And uh, 10 minutes faster than I rode last year. So I was super happy. And the other coolest thing (laughs) was once you make the turn and you're coming back down, hubby is when you start to see all the age groupers. Um, and it was all age group women and it was just, Oh, cool. Like, and I think because one, because I, my kit is very bright. Um, I got so many cheers. I got so many cheers. So thank you. I'm sure a lot of those were podcast listeners, but I think that, you know, when you get back on the queen K when you get back in there, that's when the race does start getting a little bit harder and you feel far away and um, you've been out there for several hours, it's a lot warmer, I'm like dripping sweat, and then you know the the negative thoughts can start coming in then, but it's really, really hard to have negative thoughts when there's someone on the out being like go Haley, (laughs) I mean, and and it was I was like, this is a cool way to spend the day and I admire these people so much and we are out here doing this thing and and that was, it was the
1: coolest thing.
2: I had, it, I
1: go ahead. I was going to say, how does it feel to see so many kits like of your own kit out there?
2: It was um, the
0: coolest. And, and that's something I think, uh, you know, it, it, I, I gotta work on that for next year, like getting the kits out a little earlier in the season. But, um, I mean, we had several, the dynamo athletes cause I race, I mean, I race and coach for dynamo Multisport, which is the group that got me started in triathlon out of Atlanta. So a lot of the Dynamo dynamo women wore the kit and, um, and it is. I just, it's wild. And a lot of my own athletes that I coach, they were wearing the kit and it is so cool. Cause it's just I I first did this race as a 24 year old in 2009. And I didn't know anyone. And all of a sudden, like, I am, I'm toward the front of the race. Other people are dressed like me. And I'm just like, how did I get here? And I I do need to like bottle up and remember those feelings, because I have plenty of days when I'm like, what am I doing with my life if I had just stayed an auditor, you know, but then I think that um, going to those races, I'm like, okay, yes, there are hard days. But like, this is a cool way to spend your life. And, and I'm thankful. So thankful to those women who, you know, who wore away my kit, who yelled at me and all that kind of thing. Cause you are, you help me with my, my day-to-day life as well.
2: Oh, I love it. And I had a couple observations from my time out in Kauai High. And the first was that it was really hot. <laughs> so it was really hot. I swear. I like got heat stroke out there sitting and waiting for people. It was like, Uh, I mean, not really you guys, but like, I was like on the verge of like, you, like I, we need to get me back in some AC, like sooner than later. Um, and granted I've done no physical exercise that has warmed my body temperature really too much lately. And I live in Vermont, so I was not ready for that, but it was a hot, hot day. And so like there, you know, I, we always go out to that spot to spectate and um, there are some years when it's like whipping winds and, you know, whatever, but so there was not the whipping winds this year. It was windy, but not whipping. And, but it was noticeably hot and you could just see people's faces like coming out of that hell hole, like climbing up to Kauai high again, where there's just no movement. And like, I mean, it was hot. It was very hot. So for all the women out there who managed that, I have to definitely, you know, give credit where credit is due because I found it you know, I think the bike was certainly a challenging day um, for in that respect. And then my other observation I had from watching was that the lack of men racing, obviously for the pro race, you know, we didn't see there's always, you know, when there are men in the race, be it pros or usually the top age groupers, right? Um, Some of the slower women who swim um, can get, you know, essentially pulled up back into the race a lot of times because they are able to ride legally, right? With age group men that have caught them in the swim. And so, and that changes the race dynamics a ton, right? I mean, it just changes the race. And so I I felt like that was noticeably different that there were these huge, huge gaps amongst the the women's pro field. And I felt like it strung out a lot more than I feel like I've seen it in the past because of that, right? There was no one to really help, those women kind of gain that traction back, which I thought was was good to see. And I think that also for the age group race, like really changes things because no longer do the super swimmers, right, of the women's race have men that they're able to then bike and kind of get further away with, right? Um, and so I think it was interesting to get to see that because we did see a very strung out women's pro field, I felt like on the bike. And then, um, you know, a lot of like loneliness. Like I was watching the top female age groupers and I was like, oh man, like some of them don't look prepared to be on their own, like solo time trialing this bike because it it's a different beast, right? When you don't have those people around you. So Jess, I'm curious what your take was, like how it felt different because it also was crowded. Like some of the age group racing, then I was like, whoa, like maybe this is like, you know, we got to practice our drafting rules here people but uh,
1: <laughs> so how did it go out there for you um well I, firstly with the crowded that was something that you know if I came up on a sort of a bunch of women that were riding together I just really you know made myself known and passed on the left and and just kept going but I did see some packs I think I've seen it worse in some other races but it definitely was congested especially at the start Um, But I found that, you know, once we got on the climb to Javi, it was, I mean, I loved the climb. I love climbing that this course was so well suited to what I love to ride. Um, But I had mentioned earlier, like what I was the whole day as my first time I had never, you know, this felt like the same way that I felt before my first Ironman like where you don't quite know what to expect. This is such a challenging course. You don't know what you're going to get in terms of the wind. You know, it's going to be hot, which you need to adjust for. So the entire day I was just so conscious of that. So this was one of the first races where, I mean, I was not paying attention to the timing of anything. It was a whole day of just listening to my body and really checking in with myself constantly, Um, really staying on top of the nutrition and um the salt. Um, so yeah, there was, there was crowds in the beginning, but just being really, really mindful and careful. And, um, the climb was so much fun. Um, Haley, I saw you there. Um, and I you know, I have to say you were you were perked up by people cheering for you, but it's just as motivating to see the female pros go by. Like it's such a charge of just seeing everyone crushing it and being able to feed off each other's energy. Um, that part was so cool. Um, and that downhill is just a blast. Like I don't know how you could do that without a big smile on your face. Like you just get to fly. And I think we got We were lucky in... to not have the crosswinds. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we, because we I were... did Yes. Uh go ahead. Oh, I was just saying
0: there've been a few years when I was like, oh my goodness. But it was, it was, it was, it was very much a headwind tailwind kind of day, yes. which is kind of nice. Like I'll take a headwind over a crosswind any day because I'm okay with like advert ad- adversity over like fear. <laughs>
1: Yes. hundred percent with you because we did a, we did a couple, um, practice climbs there and there the one of our practice rides. I'm like, Holy smokes. If it's like this on race day, I'm going to be like gripping my base bars. Like this is, this is really, really windy. And there wasn't any of that. Um, and the headwind I found wasn't too bad. I think that we were very fortunate to have awesome conditions, but it did, you know, on the way back, it just got super, super hot to the point where like I really noticed it when we were passing the aid stations when I would feel myself sort of wilting out there um, and was really sort of working to keep that power up all of a sudden I'd see an aid station and I just spray water all over me and then suddenly it was easy to be right back at that power and it was just a reminder of like the the factor that the heat plays in on it but um, no, I found that the women were, even though it was busy, were super respectful. And I found the way back after the climb, it really strung out um, for the age groupers. And that was, you know, obviously the back end of an Ironman ride is the most challenging part of it. But it was also super enjoyable because then you could, you know, pick out kits in the distance, be like, okay, I'm going to catch them and now pass them. And it was, it was just super motivating. And you were able to have a lot of speed, um, which is motivating, I think, even when you're tired. So. I just had a blast on the bike. It was so great. Um, They were so supportive out there. um, And it was great to have people cheering even in some of the more desolate places. So feeding off of the people's energy was just, it was, it was just awesome. I have so many happy memories of that bike.
2: Oh, you can hang on to those happy memories of the bike forever (laughs) and ever. Cause when you start going back, you know, they get jumbled up sometimes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <with other> memories.
1: <laughs> um, I, I think I was expecting it to be so much harder which is where there was like I, I finished I'm like okay it could have been like to your point with the crosswinds it could have been a much more difficult day and I think you know if you go in with the expectation of that it's like you know if it's it's easier you just take it as a win and move on
2: it yeah, also probably I, speaks I to your learn. fitness though I your fitness and preparation yeah, yeah. I I don't like even
0: parts where I was having fun. It was always hard. I mean, even I think when it's I think sometimes people conflate fast and easy. um, And I think they are different. Like it's it was a very it was a fast day, but everyone was going moving very fast. And I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like there was any time when you could like settle in and like really relax. It was I mean, it was like fierce racing and the margins were small and people were just like going for it. I mean, that is something about the world championship um and Kona in particular like people take risks and go for it and you are I mean sometimes you have to take those risks and you're like is it worth it can I hold on um and and that's one of the wonderful challenges of the sport
1: and I think that was no oh go ahead I was just gonna say in the back half of the the ride I would say the last 20k were the most challenging part of the race for me in terms of like I was just tired I was really hot I was ready to be off my bike so much so we're at the end of the marathon when I saw those markers I'm like oh my gosh I'm so glad I'm not on my bike right now which normally at the back half of a marathon I would just be killing to be on my bike so um I would say that was the most difficult part of the race for me was the, was the back half of just okay keep keep moving forward
0: I had a harder time running that distance than riding <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we can get to that Melissa <laughs> you were you didn't you didn't get to see transition I don't think you were uh, you you did like you hiked out that is I mean from a spectator perspective Getting out to Kauai, High, it's like mile forty, mile eighty, um, of the bike ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard. I've never actually done that. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of driving, and it takes some major coordination. So kudos
2: to you. How was it being out there yes. on crutches? Um, it was, it was challenging. It's probably like honestly, crutching up Polani was very Ooh. difficult. I have to say, Holy um, and cow. like we were trying to, you know, like move at a pretty good pace and I was like sweating buckets. It was just really hot. It was, it was challenging. Um, but Kauai High wasn't too bad because once you kind of get out there, you're at least like stationary, but Between all of the moving, like from the morning, then back and forth with Kawaii High, I did end up just like planting myself at Lava Java for the run spectating portion, um, which worked out really nicely because I knew I wasn't gonna get out to the mile one, mile one, mile six. Yes, yes, which is like perfect because you get to see people when they're generally happy, um, and you know, just starting out and um, you know, they come by there twice. So it actually was like a very good place to to start out. But um, you know, Haley yeah, you mentioned that uh, yeah, food, anything, water, everything, a charging station, everything very readily available. Um, Haley, you mentioned the bike was like set up for fast and furious racing and the run was no different. Um, no. we saw a new run course record happen. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, ran a two forty seven, two forty eight, two forty seven, two forty eight, two forty eight, I think. Two forty eight at age forty, um, yeah. At age forty. I mean, what a beast. We saw Chelsea Sadaro returning um Chelsea like champion. Uh, I- Came off the bike in 19th place, I think, and ran her way into six. Yeah. I should, like, have it all pulled she, she up for passed myself. Me. But, um, so there was, a. I mean, people were, what do they say, like, bike for show and run for dough? Like, people yeah. were running for the dough, man. And it was just, like, it was cool because you were, like, this is Hawaii. This is where people blow up, right? Like, so who's it going to be? Like, what's going to happen? Like, you know, and I think no everyone was up. just waiting for Lucy, like, to be like, is this, you know, you're, it's 50, 50. And ever in the spectators minds, like she's going to hold on or she's not going to. Right. And so it made for a very exciting day with that sort of anticipation to see what was going to happen. There was a period of time when Annie How was looking like she was going to like catch Lucy and the, like by the numbers oh. on the tracker, it was like going to be literally like a quarter mile showdown for a while. And so Wow. That was, you know, it was just, it made for a very exciting spectating event. Um, and I'm sure the race dynamic out there felt like fast and furious. Right. And I mean, one of the things I thought was funny was the commentators, you know, Didi Riesbauer was, they would comment every time there was a pass and, um, Michael Lovato would often be like, well, you know, there was no words exchanged on that one. No words exchanged on that one. Right. And I don't know if like women typically are exchanging words or if that's, you know, something that's really happening, but there was definitely no words being exchanged because I was noted multiple times in like all of the passes that were happening throughout the field. And I can only think it's because, I mean, people were racing, people were dead set. You're going going
0: so hard. um, I think that's, I mean, I just know I I, like from being out there, like every molecule of my being is just going for like forward movement. I mean, I'm definitely thinking things, um, you know, and being like, Oh, you know, good job, but like, um, that's like all I could do. I didn't even some of my athletes when I'd see them, it was so exciting. But it's like all I can maybe muster is like a thumbs up. Like talking is way too much work, and I think that that's it. Like when you're passing someone or you're getting past, like I think there's a lot of respect. Like and I I felt it on on both occasions. Um, but I it's not a time for chatter. It's just it's different. Like you're very tired. You are very hot. You are just everyone is on the edge and i think that's how you have to race now um i mean that's what the race showed the margins are really small um it's i've never like run down a lee so close to the front of the race and i was in like 13th 14th you know and it's just like wow like i'm further back but like I'm actually closer to the front, like the density of all of us is just closer. And I had a whole string of people behind me, you know, everyone is within like such a small margin. And so you're not going to, you don't have the, even the one second to, um, to kind of do that. And then your brain isn't working that well. You're just thinking calories, calories, one more mile foot in front of the other hydrate, you know, keep manage the heat and get across that line. And you were one of not many pros were carrying a bottle, which I thought was interesting. You were carrying a bottle. Did you carry it the whole time? I did until like the last 5K when I was like really okay. dying and I was like I gotta change something and go for broke, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like maybe if I lose you know eight ounces, so much, yeah. <laughs> that's what I need. But um, but I did, and that's I mean that again. I'm coming from Montana. I I know that I struggle a little bit with the heat, and I also like. Uh, there were more aid stations this year, but they were, there were not as many as like the past years. Like, and so there were some sections when we are going more than a mile, which actually I think a lot of those came out on the Queen K, which is the hardest part. Like we had a couple that were 1.4 miles away, which I did mentally prepare for that. And, um, I just like, I also like to put ice water in there and have that like ice water in my hand. Um, and that like helps me cool off. And, so I, I mean, it's always one of those things. Like I, I encourage my athletes, like, you can always throw it away if you don't like it, but I do like starting with that. And I just, I do a lot of runs at home with, a with things in my hands. I live in Montana. I don't have access to services out here when I do like a lot of my long runs, if I'm going not on the treadmill or not doing out and backs. And so I'm very comfortable with that. So it's kind of like being in the front of the swim. Like maybe that's not for everyone, but that's how I train. That's how I race. And It's the the other option is just me not being there. (laughs) So um, so I was I
2: was happy with that decision, and I think you had a run PR for yourself there, right? On that I did. I ran
0: at three fourteen. So my run played out like I felt I like looking back. I've talked to my coach Matthew a little bit. Like maybe I went a little hot through town. Um, I came off the bike not feeling good. No one feels good, but I I'm actually shocked by my T two time because I felt like I just sat there for a while and like collected myself but I think it was like two and a half minutes which I'm like what I did all that in two and a half minutes go me but um but I think I I probably ran a little hot you know you start to see people and you've just been so desolate out out riding on the Queen K and it's so fun to see people um I will say it was a I think Chelsea came by me around like mile six and it was a little stressful because it it's just like okay I don't want to get in her way and I've I know that she has a lot of attention on her so you have a you start getting like a lot of like cameras and a lot of like people and all of people who are riding you know in her proximity and it's just like "Ah." and I was like going through a day station she's right behind me I'm like am I in her way like it was just a little bit different um uh and there was no going with her like there's you know in a different world I would love to have been running that fast but she was running really fast and I know she wasn't necessarily probably having her day um on the swim and the bike but I mean she definitely pulled that out on the run which shows what can be done Mm -hmm. um And then, you know, I faded a little bit, like I didn't blow up, but I definitely faded in the energy lab, which is like typical, but I didn't, I didn't fade as bad as lag last year. So it's one of those things like that was one of my goals was to have my best last 10 miles ever in Kona, which I did. I also got passed by quite a few people. So it's like one of those things where I'm, I'm happy with it because I can't be unhappy with like a PR with the best Kona marathon, all of that but there's like, oh, why couldn't I have hung on a little bit better? And I think the one nice thing is that I've had, I had a few friends out there, my friend, Betty, my friend, Aaron, um, who kind of saw it and can give me some perspective afterwards where it's like, no, you went to the well. Cause I, you know you had these thoughts after where you're like, was I tough enough? You know, could I have done more? And I do think on that day I made very few mistakes and that was the best I had for the day. And there, you know, do I think maybe, I could potentially do better, like a little bit better. Maybe, yeah, maybe I have it in me to do a little bit better, but I'm also going to sit here and be like, holy, you know what? I went 9.01 in Kona, you know, finished 17th in the pro field. Like, that's so good.
2: (laughs) It's It's crazy that a 9.01 now is 17th. Like that in itself is just like such a new standard of women's racing. It's unbelievable.
0: It was crazy. And it was cool again, coming back on on the queen K which was a section I had a really hard time with last year and I had a hard time this year but less of a hard time um and but then you have so many people cheering for me on the way out and that's where I'm like there were no words shared on my part but um but I was like feeling it I was feeling the love and I was feeling so much admiration for every woman in that field you know the other pros the age groupers every age group because I was like wow this is so hard but wow we are 2,000 of us doing it and um, and that was like how I was feeling. And and even in the down moments, it was just like, okay, you're doing this. And I kept telling myself, I'm like, you're doing the best you've ever done here. And and I mean, to find out I went 901, I was like, dang. <laughs> but I was proud of that. So um, so yeah. So and oh, coming across the line, I I have to like, first of all, I was I mean, I was hurting, I was hurting those last miles, like probably even more than I've hurt in the past. And um, and then it was like, I was like, do I have the energy to throw out any high fives? And, but then they started playing Taylor Swift anti-hero and I was like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I had my faculties enough and, and then I threw out a couple high fives. And then Joanne Murphy, who was calling us across the line, of course, you know, Mike Riley retired after last year. And so Joanne's there and to hear Joanne, you know, call me across the line. I got across, you know, tears are flowing. And then she was like, crowd give it up for her and the roar was like insane I mean so Joanne had this command of the audience there were so many spectators there so many people watching 17th place come across the line and it was so loud and I was like I have never had a finish like that where like I mean kudos to Joanne for just being an incredible announcer and to the crowd for everyone who was out there you know cheering and who made me feel so special like I felt so special in that moment and then Natasha Badman was right there and she was like Haley good job and I'm like Natasha Badman knows who I am so I had it was like a very cool
2: finish line experience oh that is super super fun um I and I did notice too I felt like because there weren't, there wasn't a race coming in two more days, right? Like people were there for the women. They were out cheering. The crowds seemed to be better than, I mean, I wasn't there last year, but people said that for sure, like there was, you know, some issues with the crowds because some of the men had come to race themselves and like, didn't want to be out there all day. Right. Which is understandable, but it certainly diminishes the crowds and, you know, having the women on the Thursday versus Saturday race, I think like having it on the weekend obviously would help. Right. So it's so cool to hear that it really was everything we wanted it to be on that on a link e drive. There, and
0: I was there last Saturday for the men's race and I watched the top ten come across the line. I was at the fish hopper, um having some actually wasn't having an adult beverage. I should have
1: been. <laughs> but um, should have been.
0: I was having some like creme brulee, but um I don't remember it being that exciting for 17th place. <laughs> so I I it was just I mean, people showed up for the women and it made us feel awesome. awesome, But yeah.
2: And just what was, so this was your first time in Hawaii, first time racing the Ironman World Championships run course. Everyone hears so much about it. Elite E-Drive. He's a great runner. Yeah. And so what did you, you know, you just came off the bike, like feeling like this is a pretty good day. So what was it like on the run for you?
1: Well, I felt amazing coming off the bike because it was like my best ever bike split in an Ironman, which like, again, holy smokes, not expecting at Kona. But then I did a dismount and the side of my left foot was totally cramped when I put my yeah. foot down. And mm-hmm. I was like limping through transition. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to run. Um, but I grabbed everything and I I had a longer transition than I wanted. Like, I think it was four or something. But this uh, like and just moment for the volunteers of this course, I've never, ever had um, the volunteer experience like this one. Like they were just they were even higher of, out of 10 out of 10, if that's possible. This woman gives me a foot massage in transition. Like, she's like, I got you. And she's like, I'm like getting all my run stuff on. And this like amazing volunteer with like medical background is like just trying to stretch out my foot for me. So, like, that was just like, that's how over and above these volunteers are. So I'm like, okay, hopefully I can run. I start like sort of limp jogging out, trying to loosen it up and like started taking like a salt tablet. Um, And just hoping that the run would loosen it up. Thankfully it did. It took 10K though. So the first 10K of my run were agony, but it was just like, and that was where the runs kept feeling better and better because nothing that the first 10K felt the worst, but leading into this race, um, I've, this year I've dealt with some like very unusual arrhythmia, um, and it seems to be brought on with really hot conditions. And when it happens, I actually like my day is over. I need to just walk it in. So I've been working very carefully with my uh, a really incredible sports doctor who's been trying to guide me through like different calibrations. But we really felt like this was a prime condition for it to act up. Um, and then I'm, I'm balancing that out with a story that last year, one of our really good friends was racing and He was, he had just come down um, and was less than a mile from the finish line and his legs gave out. And he, so he was on track for a best ever marathon and he actually needed to sit on the sidelines for 45 minutes until he could cross. So I have all of this in the back of my head going into the run. I have this foot cramp. And so my mentality was just be as cautious as you can. Like my goal going into this was finish your first Iron Man feeling like you did everything that you could. And like your point, Haley, of like make as few mistakes as possible. So popping the salt tabs. Um, one of the big changes that I made for this Iron Man that I don't normally do is I walked every aid station um with the the, you know, I filled my hat with ice, I like ice in the front and back of my sports bra and like you, I like held ice in my hands and just like, but what was funny is like in the back half of the race, I was like, is my heart thing gonna do this thing? Um, because my hands started going numb but it was because like the ice would melt and then the heat would come. And then it was like the change in temperature was so wild, but it was great. Like I was able to manage my, my body temperature. And I think because I, I was so nervous, I kept um, the first 10 K my foot thing. I didn't go out too quickly. Um, And I was able to draw on like people in town, like they're spraying you with a hose and like, everyone is just so stoked about this race. Um, So lots of feeding off that energy, Um, once you're on the highway, it is a long, lonely stretch, but I just found that you can also just start ticking off the miles there. Um, the energy lab was, it was interesting to be able to see like where you're uh, are approximately in the race. So I had been, you know, slow and steady, you know, um, picking people off and, you know, starting to feel increasingly good as my foot sort of warmed up. And then the energy lab I found was they're they really good with aid stations so I found that you know just when I started getting hot again there was another aid station so that was great and then you get the boost of all the the people cheering there's like little kids that are throwing water on you um, and it was so motivating seeing all of the incredible pro women go by like as a fan of the sport too just to see the sheer power and force like they were out for blood and i loved that like the look in all of your eyes as you're like killing it to the finish line um so feeding off of that was really great um and then in the back half um it definitely started getting harder but you know you started smelling that finish line and that final 5k i it's indescribable like just the support from the crowds the people who are cheering Um, this is a really, really special race. Um, and it just felt so great. Right. It was about a kilometer to the finish line and women were talking to each other on course. This woman turned to me and she's like, listen, it's only three laps around a track. Let's go. And like, was trying to, and so it was just like the support that you got all day long. Um, it was magical. And to cross that finish line was one of the most special finish lines I've had. So, um, yeah, it was, and I, I was very fortunate. I didn't fade. I kept waiting for that other shoe to drop, but I think because I was so like, I just checked every box I could. My coach did a really good job of setting me up in terms of preparing and setting out that plan and just following it. Um, I ended up, I ended up with what I wanted, which was, uh, the, a sub th- three thirty run. So yeah, yeah it was 10 it hours,
0: 10 hours. You and I were like, over oh, we're right on that. Like, cuss, how do you feel about your 10 hour finish time and 11th place in your age group?
1: Well, you know what? Like you, there's. I will never complain. I gave it all I had that day. All all that I like. It was the most appropriate race that I could have done. Um, in retrospect, I'm like, oh, I feel like I could have gone harder on the run, but I didn't, and I got across the line in one piece. So maybe if I would have pushed harder. I wouldn't have been able to do what I did. So I feel super proud of my effort. It was a, a day that I truly enjoyed from start to finish. I feel now that I'm like, I'm going to come back and I I know how to do it differently. Um, and I, I did have a quiet goal in the back of my mind. Like I would really wanted to break the top 10. Like that was like my like top goal. Um, but I was 90 seconds off. And as I was rounding a corner and um, heading to the finish line, I heard them say, oh, likely the last woman to break 10 hours. And that was the first time that I even knew what approximate time I was running. Um, so I had this moment where I'm like, oh, that's sort of disappointing that I don't do that. But holy smokes, I just did 10 hours at the Ironman World Championships. So, um, you know, I think as competitive women, we're always going to look at, you know, where where we can improve and, and what we might have done differently. But I... I think it's so important to celebrate and be super proud of the efforts that we did do. And that's how I'm feeling is just like, very, very excited and proud of all the things that I did do right. Um, And, and I walked away feeling like I had such a great race. So yeah, loved it. And now Alyssa, I think,
0: how, how did your athletes oh, do, Alyssa? Did you get good, good finishes there?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I've talked about it before on the podcast where like the day after Kona is kind of like, I feel like it's so common to have everyone feel like they didn't have good days there. Right. Because it is really hard. It's really hot. It catches people like by surprise a lot of times. And um, you know, with, with 19 women for everyone, I was coaching three of them. Like I, we just kind of thought it would be similar, right? Like we'd be having to pick up some pieces the next day. And then it was again, the magic of the women's only world championship was amazing because it bled over into this. And I mean, we had, I had three people, all were Kona rookies and they had super, super solid days. Um, I mean, everyone was like really happy, just kind of, you know, checked the boxes of their goals and expectations and things. And I think, you know, left people with, uh, I'm hungry for more type of attitude, but not like, oh, I, you know, regret not doing this or I, I wish I could have, you know, done something different. I think it was an exceptional day, like because of that. And again, I think I do wonder... It made me wonder how much the having age group men and women, you know, I've obviously having raced pro after 2014 on, like, I was very focused on how the men interfering with the pro women's race and how that dynamic unfolds and like, you know, very kind of hyper focused on trying to push for fair racing in the women's pro field. And I do think that this kind of opened my eyes and to, you know, I think having age group men in the race as well is like also really changing the race for age group women. And like, I think, I'm not sure if that can ever really be quantified because it is just like kind of just a large issue, right? But it certainly feels like there is a different race going on when the age group men aren't old, right? For whatever reason. And whether that's because, I mean, women tend to race smarter. Right. And as a coach, I feel like qualified to say that because there's definitely different strategies in the men I coach and the women I coach and how they approach racing. Right. And like, I do wonder if when you get 2000 women all together, if like the racing is just different and more suited to how women want to race and execute their days. Right. As, um, and it ends up being like more successful across the board because they aren't mixed up. They don't have guys that have blinders on pushing them out of the way for water and bottles on the bike and like flying by them and making them nervous without saying something right. Like things, those kind of dynamics really matter. And I I had totally admit I had been like totally blind to thinking about that before. And I mean, I think, you know, obviously it's, I don't expect all racing to become single gender. Right. And like have it done that way. But I think that for a world championship event, it is so good to see because it just seems like, you know, the racing is better across the board. It's more fair. And I think it's, it's good to see that evolving for the sport. And when we're at a time where women are stepping up, they're owning the space, they're filling like the ranks more and more that it's important for them to have those opportunities across the board to like have good days. Right. And so I don't know. That was kind of like my reflection after talking to all of our athletes and like yeah. seeing how it unfolded. And I don't know. I was, yeah, I was nervous going out there. Cause I had hoped, you know, after pushing for something like this for so long that I was afraid to have my hopes up that like, it wouldn't live up to like what I thought it could be. And then I was like, as I was leaving there, I was like, we've been right. You know, like for the last 10 years, essentially we've been right. The women deserve this day. It's meant it's needed and it's creating a better sport. So that was very worthwhile, like very special to feel because there was a lot of effort put into some of the things over the last 10 years pushing for it. And there were times when I questioned it and wonder, are they right? Is this nonsense? You know, am I wrong? And I think if anything, I, I wasn't pushing as deeply as I should have. Jess, did you feel that being in the age group race? Like, did
0: you feel like it, you know, because you are usually mixed in with so many men? Um, you know, is that is that how you felt about your experience?
1: I would say so. Um, I train with men, I race with men. Um, and so there is this level of, I would say, aggression or um competition. And I think on one hand, I think that's always going to make us better. It's going to make us scrappy. Um, We had this conversation before the race of, you know, what is, is the vibe going to be different because it's only women. And we did have this whole conversation around how, you know, women are, we are fierce. We are scrappy. So there is, I didn't think that there was any difference in the competition, but I felt that there was such camaraderie. Um, I felt like I, there I didn't see as many risks being taken. And I think that that's maybe what you're pointing out, Alyssa, is, you know, when you when you make wise decisions on the race course, like, uh, of course, you're going to push yourself to the limit. But if you make decisions that are risky, you potentially put other people around you at risk. So being able to, I found I let my guard down a little bit more. Um, I felt a little bit safer out there. And that that goes a long way, especially when there are big descents. There is, you know, there, and yes, there were packs of women, but I found that they were respectful. If you called out, they would, you know, um, and there wasn't, um, there was just incredible camaraderie. I, it it was, it's hard to describe because it was such a, it was so different than anything that I've ever raced before.
0: Yeah. And Jess, I know I'm like putting on the spot here because when we talked, um, I think, We talked about the decision to like go pro and, and I, I know it's only been like four days since the race and all that, but, um, but since you are a top amateur athlete and a lot of our listeners are, are amateur athletes and who maybe are thinking about going pro and, and the pros and cons of that. And I don't expect you to have a decision, but I'd love if you could share some of that, that thought process that with our audience on, on your own situation.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it's something where last year after I won Ironman Canada, my coach um, looked at me. Who's your
0: husband, um, right? Who's Mark? also, I was going to say, who's also co-host. my husband.
1: And your co-host. i mean, We can give a ghostly a shout out. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Mark <laughs> Collin, the glue that keeps all of this together. Um, he turned to me and he's like, I think you should explore this. And I went through this whole mental process. And of course I'm like, I'm I'm not a Haley Chura. I'm not a Lucy Charles. Like I, who am I to even think that and started questioning all of this. But what's been really incredible as I've processed everything throughout the past year is, you know, and and having conversations with people like yourself, or Alice Alberts or Nicole Foquero, you know, women who say like, why not? What, what would be the risk in doing that? and I love the idea of being a small fish in a big pond. I think one of the things that I'm struck by is how supportive um not just I mean all women in triathlon but the female pros seem to have such an incredible camaraderie you're you're so kind to each other you're so supportive and yes you're gonna you're gonna compete on the field but um just such a fan of the sport in general. Um, and I've sent, I've sensed this whole you know, come join us and I've been getting that a lot when I have conversations um so I I'm processing it I'm thinking about it um and I think you and I were chatting right before the podcast is you know like 11th in my age group in the world isn't top in the world and I think sometimes people think that they need to have you know get the get the bowl before they would even uh, at uh, the world championship before they would think about this but I think that if you are able to, be competitive. Um, there's so many different reasons um, to go pro. And I think you can learn and grow. Um, you can. Um, and I, I think even just bringing other women into the sport, a, a big part of my why is looking at, I want someone to say, well, if she can do that, so can I. And bring, I think, more women up um, through the sport, um, grow it and and make it more powerful. Um, I think it's a lot bigger than just me. Well, we're really excited to see what you have
2: ahead of you, I think. And one last question for you. I think you took the, well, Haley and I had like marathon travel home already. And I think you took the smart ticket here and have stayed in Hawaii for a little recovery time. Am I
1: correct? Yes, I did. Um, So I hopped over to Maui, Um, but we had quite the situation when, so we were flying from Kona. Uh, We dropped some of our friends off at the airport. I had my giant bike bag and like all of my luggage because I packed for, you know, the week leading into Kona and the race. And then of course, like my vacation afterward. So I go up to this small little hopper plane and they look at me and they're like, you can't take your bike on here. There's no room. Um, I was so grateful. So to any athlete who decides to do this in the future, give yourself lots of time because if I would have, not been there super early before the cargo, um, plane had, you know, shut down for the day, I would have needed to completely adjust my trip. Thankfully, um, the cargo plane, um, right to the side was open for one more hour. They were able to fly my plane or my bike over, um, and I was able to make it and they even got us on an earlier flight. Um, so they're super accommodating and great, but just tip to anyone who decides to travel with your bike, it's, uh, just be there early and, and maybe consider cargo. Um, but it's totally worth coming over to Maui. Like this place is beautiful. Best recovery ever.
0: Yeah, and how is Maui doing? I mean, I like. Does it feel like it's it's coming back? And from a tourism perspective,
1: yeah, I did a bit of research before coming, of course, because I'm like, are they even open? Do they want people to come? And. Yes, they absolutely do because they, you know, they rely on tourism so much. So it was great to see, like we did the road to Hana, which is this beautiful drive along the island um, with all of these little spots and you can do a guided tour that you can download on your phone. Like if you're ever here, please do it. It was so much fun. Um, And it was busy. There was lots and lots of people doing it, but you can see how much um, this economy relies on tourism and they actually, I have not even seen the effect of the forest fires here. And we've explored a lot of the island. So it's very concentrated in one area and being able to bring in some money to support um, will actually help them in rebuilding. So um, it's, yeah, if you're thinking about going to Maui, it's a great place to go and you're going to help them. It's a way to be
0: a respectful and responsible tourist. And absolutely, um, hopefully, you know, hopefully the islands feel that way about all the triathletes this year. So we can continue to have such a a special world championship experience, but congratulations, Jess. Thank you so much for sharing so much about your day. And, um, and Alyssa, I mean, how is, how's your recovery? I do want to ask that before we let you go. Um, you know, are you, are you extra swollen from traveling like that or are, you know, is your knee still coming along? Okay.
2: It, so it was, if anyone who saw me in Hawaii, it was pretty much very swollen from like the whole travel out there, all of the heat and like the, it like movement and sitting and like things during the race. And then the travel home, like it basically, it was very soul in that whole time, but it's rebounded. Okay. I am now at the six week mark tomorrow, Haley, which means oh. I get to start sleeping without the brace on hallelujah. I am like so excited for this step of the journey. Um, I get to do that. I am now able to like slowly with crutches, start kind of, kind of sort of putting some weight on. Um, I'm going to be biking with no resistance for a couple weeks here soon. So I have a lot of like fun little yeah benchmarks ahead of me and then um, to get through over the next couple weeks. But um, yeah, so it's, it's moving along. I think it was actually, it was a chaotic trip to Hawaii, <laughs> but um, it was nice to like pass that last kind of bit of time as I'm like waiting for the, this like new phase of recovery to come along. So that I was really grateful for. And Haley recovery for you. I saw a video of you leaving the airport with Cowboy and your bike. Like fell over. Is your bike okay? I saw your bike. Fall, I hope it's fell okay. Over. It's okay. not.
0: My bike is not <laughs> unpacked yet. I know. I posted that. I love that. I was so excited because I, I think I put. I was actually very sad to leave Hawaii. I think it. I honestly think it was because of the women's race. Like, there's a lot of times when I've been like, get me off this island. I want to get back to the mainland. Cooler temps. Everything. And this time I was sad to leave. And I just had a really incredible experience. So so thank you to everyone who did make that experience incredible. But um, my dad brought Cowboy to the airport. And when you come down, you come down these steps of the Bozeman airport. And of course, coming down steps right now is like not my favorite thing. But then I saw Cowboy at the bottom. And um, luckily, Cowboy doesn't have that good of eyesight. So he didn't like run up to me. But uh it was like so maybe so so happy and then he was being such a good boy while I had a, so much luggage but then I I took the curb a little <laughs> tight but I think the bike is fine I mean that's what those cases are for it just made me laugh so I had to post the video <laughs> but um but yes I'm here lots of cowboy cowboy time we have really nice weather here in Bozeman through at least this weekend so nice. soaking it all up as I recover I will say even as a coach I like the active recovery sessions I'm always like. I really didn't do them, and then I am feeling so much better today than I was like yesterday and I'm like okay I think these do you know a, a short little shakeout swim does make a difference and I'm actually I'm feeling pretty good so um you know I'm, I'm enjoying this time though this is like the best time ever though right after an Ironman when you're like you yes. still feel really fit and now I'm starting to feel not so like sore and tired and I'm like I got about a week of this so I'm gonna really enjoy it.
1: Just soak it all in. What are the first couple hours after an Ironman like for you? I've always wondered this for the pros because I know you see age groupers finish and they've like they fall across the finish line. They've given it all. They're spent. There's sometimes nausea. Like what what are what's your body like as you recalibrate and sort of settle in back to normal?
0: Well, in Court d'Alene, I think I like sobbed through my finish line interview and then I laid on the pavement. My friend Erin was there and she like took a picture of me. I just had to like lay in the fetal position on the sidewalk for a while. And then I like called people this time. I actually was in a little bit better. I saw like the, actually the feisty women, Sarah Gross and Kelly O'Meara. And I was like, interview me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that will. I, they were like trying to get like Lucy Charles and I'm like, do me. <laughs> but um, So I probably, but I think, um, I mean, I like to do a little like out of it interview. Um, And then I just like hung out. I was, I, I luckily had, you know, my friends, Aaron and Ethan were there and Aaron had my phone so I could track my athletes. And I did not get myself back out on the course. (laughs) I mean, I appreciate them. but I was like, oh gosh, but I just hung out by the finish line. um, So I could welcome most of them the finish line which was really good and getting some food food always helps it's like the last thing you want to do i think they had some quesadillas in the pro lounge and that was like that was exactly what i needed um some fluids that kind of thing and just hanging out and then kind of just like celebrating with everyone i think um there's that's it's it's a good feeling but i was thankful i didn't end up in the mid 10 i do think some of the pros did and that's always one of my goals to not end up there because then you miss all the fun stuff 100%. 100%. But yeah, celebrating all week, though, don't worry. <laughs> um, Maybe two weeks. This one was a big one. But Alyssa, thank you so much for for guiding this wonderful conversation and for the cheers on course there. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for you to get your your brace off and, and we can track your recovery in the coming weeks. And Jess, congratulations again. First Kona, I'm sure not your last. And hopefully we get to meet up in person again on a race course in In the somewhat distant future, I need a little bit of time. You might be ready to get back out there, but
1: I'm going to let enjoy. I'm enjoying some time off. Absolutely enjoying the sun, some waves, some sand. But yes, back to racing next year.
0: Yeah, awesome. And thank you to all of our listeners. It was so incredible to meet some of you in Hawaii. I think that was the coolest thing. And. Congrats to the feisty crew who handled a lot of the media there. I think they did a really good job, and I had so much good feedback from that. So, um, it's it's been very very cool. And Alyssa, yeah, your 50 women to Kona, like all that those efforts back in 2015, 2016. I mean, holy cow, what 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 has happened is amazing. And and um, you know, it's it's just
2: the start. Thanks so much, Haley. Recover well, ladies.
0: You've been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadesky.
2: Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Etition.
0: Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.